You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. From the field to the film room to the war room, we've got you covered every step of the way as the road to the draft starts right now on BGN Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the BGN Draft Show. I am your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at ShaneHalfNFL. I'm joined today by my co-host and fellow draft enthusiast, Dives. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mr. Crockpot. Be sure to check out his podcast, Party on Broad. Dives, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. The 2023 college football season continues, man, with uh, Alabama cementing itself as a true contender here. Jalen Milrow had an amazing, amazing day. Uh, we finally got to see Jeremiah Trotter Jr. have his moment against Notre Dame. Sorry, Mark. Uh, but another amazing slate of games here uh, coming up this weekend, dude. Yeah, absolutely. The Eagles may be on a bye, but college football is definitely not on a bye. So we got a lot of stuff to get into. But before we do that, I'm also joined by my co-host on Chalk Talk. It is Mark Henry Jr., Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Be sure to check out his Tough Cover radio show every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Mark, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Uh, coming off like a prehistorically great gambling weekend for myself. So uh, that's always going to feel better. Riding into a, a chalk talk and a BGN pod off a weekend where I made like 30 units or something crazy. So uh, great weekend of football. I'm hoping next weekend's just as good. Why not? Let's let's uh, Let's play two. Yeah, see, I'm not having the opposite. Uh, I'm about done with gambling, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure at some point during the Sunday games, I tweeted that gambling is dumb and no one should do it. So we'll see if I take my own advice. Hard disagree. Hard disagree <laughs> over on this end. All right, let's get into our player of the week recaps from last week. Uh, I had quarterback Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. Uh, he went 22 of 30 for 256 yards, two touchdowns, had an interception, also had a rushing touchdown against USC. He takes home first place. In second place, we had running back Trey Benson from Florida State. Uh, Dibes guy, he had 12 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown. And then Mark's guy, Bucky Irving from Oregon, had 18 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown. Also had four receptions for 28 yards, but did have a fumble in that game. Uh, so that brings our standings to uh, I have 12 points. Dives and Mark each have 10 points. We're neck and neck each and every week in here. We'll see how that shakes out. We'll get to the our player of the week predictions at the end of this episode. But before we do that, we want to turn our attention to our Eagles targets of the week. All right, Eagles targets of the week. We're each going to give you one guy that you can keep an eye on that may be of interest to the Philadelphia Eagles 
come April. Dives, why don't you lead us off? Who is your Eagles target of the week? Yeah, for me, my game of the week uh, is Penn State versus Michigan. We're going to deep dive into that game in just a little bit. Uh, but I'm going to stick with a Michigan player, and that is Junior Colson, uh, linebacker here for the Wolverines. Uh, this dude is has got one of the most wild stories of any prospect in this year's group. He was born in Haiti. Uh, after his father passed away when he was seven years old, he was adopted, moved to Tennessee at the age of nine. Uh, he tells this story that a Michigan hat was the first thing he saw when he came to the United States. And now he's a starting linebacker uh, for one of the most dominant defenses in 2023. This is a guy that oozes potential top to bottom. Uh, last year was his first year as a full-time starter. Uh, he's raw. He's got a lot of development uh, to, to go moving forward. But he showcased some really nice instincts, especially in coverage. Uh, he didn't have any interceptions, but he did force three, uh, force three incompletions. Uh, and he had a really low missed tackle percentage uh, of 6%. Uh, and that was the lowest uh, missed tackle percentage and in the country last year. And in 2023, his missed tackle percentage is even lower at 3.8%. Uh, right now, he leads Michigan in tackles by a vast margin. He's got 16 more tackles than the dude that's second best on the team. Uh, he also has got uh, seven pressures, 16 run stops. Uh, he's allowed eight receptions on 10 targets for a total of 65 yards uh, this season. Uh, this is a guy who has elite closing burst, uh, amazing tackle radius, great size, uh, good frame at 240 pounds. I think this guy is just simply built for the NFL and has amazing upside. Plus, he's only 19 years old. Like This guy is going to crush the combine, and I think he's one of the biggest sleepers in the draft. Uh, so for me, like, I think there is definite, uh, a definite question if he could be a top 50 prospect in this draft. I think he's that good. All right. So Junior Colson, linebacker out of Michigan, playing in a big game that we're going to get to uh, a little bit later here. Mark, who is your Eagles prospect to keep an eye on this week? I had a joke, but I'll save it for the Michigan segment. Um, let's, <laughs> that's, that's me putting a, putting a pin in that joke. Uh, so let me – I have a theme with my with my two players that I'm picking and also my lock of the week. They all come from one school, and it's not a school you'd necessarily think of when it comes to college football. But my guy's offensive tackle, Jordan Morgan from Arizona. Uh, Arizona, it's – they are becoming one of the more fun teams in the country to watch right now. But Jordan Morgan doesn't have a lot to do with that. He, I guess he does, though. He has a lot to do with protecting the people who are a lot of fun to watch. And he's done so <laughs> excellently. He, he's done so uh, to an incredible degree, one of the best in the country in terms of pass blocking. Through 600 snaps this season, Morgan has allowed just two sacks, 11 QB hurries, and zero quarterback hits. Uh, the project, he's a projected first-round pick coming up. He was the number one graded offensive lineman in all of college football in Week 10. And a big reason for that, I'd have to assume, is that Jordan Morgan faced three UCLA edge rushers at different points in this game, Grayson and Gabriel Murphy, and then obviously, I don't know exactly how to say this name, Dives can correct me, Liatu Latu? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Nailed it? All right, cool. 
Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's a name I'm going to have to say a million times. So I'm glad I got it on the first He's try. A beast. He's yeah, a beast. he definitely is. But he didn't look like one against Jordan Morgan. Jordan Morgan shut him down when he had he had reps against him. Zero sacks allowed in that UCLA game against a really stout defensive front for UCLA. Uh, they've they've been really good, especially at getting to the quarterback. And Jordan Morgan really shut them down in that game. And then you talk about the the measurables. Believe me, he's got the measurables. I wouldn't be talking about him if he didn't. You guys know that. Six six three twenty. I mean. He's got everything you want there. And we, when you watch him move, when you watch him block, when you watch him get out in space, he looks like an athlete. Like, he, this doesn't look like some lumbering 6'6", 320-pounder. Three, like, he looks like, you know, the modern offensive tackle in the NFL. But he also has the retro size of an offensive tackle in the NFL of the last 10, 20 years. So I think Jordan Morgan is definitely going to end up being a first-round pick. Um, it seems like he's risen into that spot. He was probably a day two guy. Dives can correct me on that if I'm wrong, but uh, it looked like a day two guy coming into the year, uh, probably becoming a first round pick. He's played a ton of snaps. I mean, we were talking about this with offensive linemen, I think last week. He's kind of, he's the type of guy who's played a ton of snaps. 2021, 701 snaps. 2022, 667 snaps. Obviously, this year, 600 snaps. He's only given up three sacks the last two years, eight sacks total over his career, five of those coming when he was a freshman. So I think this guy's a, a really, really good prospect who I would not be surprised to see how he fall in love with at the back end of the first round. Yeah, I think he's right there. You know, there's a, a, a tier of, like, the next guy. You have, of course, the all the Fashionus, uh, the Lathams, and then you get two guys like Kingsley Suamaria, you get Amarius Mims, you get Jordan Morgan, Patrick, Patrick Paul, Paul, Tyler Guyton, Blake Fisher could possibly be in that mix at some point. Uh, but all those guys, I think, have first-round talent, for sure. Patrick Paul's right. the other guy I was looking at when I was trying to decide who to who to pick. I wanted to do an offensive lineman because I haven't done a ton of them. Um, and the Eagles may have had a second-round pick look terrible um, the other night. Uh, so I wanted to I wanted to list a couple names uh, potentially, and Patrick Paul was the other one I looked at. Six foot seven, dude. So you know, you guys know me. I have a type. Yeah. Uh, speaking of watching Eagles players look terrible, let's talk about my prospect of the week, who is a cornerback, because apparently the Eagles need a lot of those. Um, James Bradbury looking rough this year, not having a slot corner. Uh, now this guy can't play. Well, I won't say he can't. He has not played slot corner. I'm going to talk about cornerback Denzel Burke out of Ohio State. Uh, he was a two play, two way player in high school. He played wide receiver and cornerback. Uh, suffered a season ending injury as a senior in high school, but it didn't stop him from hitting the ground running as a starting cornerback for Ohio State as a true freshman in 2021. He was a four star recruit. Uh, he's six one, 192 pounds. In that freshman season, he was a freshman All-American. Uh, he took a step back last year, but he's been great this season. He's really bounced back. I mean, if there's one thing we know about CB play, it's not necessarily sticky year to year. It tends to fluctuate. So I uh, had the down year in 2022, but thus far in 2023, he's allowed only 18 receptions on 214, excuse me, 18 receptions for 214 yards on 36 targets. He has one interception and seven pass breakups and a 56.9 passer rating when targeted. When you watch Burke play, he's such a fluid, sudden mover. He's got great straight line speed, uh, long arms. I mean, we say this and it's almost a cliche, but 
you can see the wide receiver in his background and the way he attacks the ball at the catch point, great at going up and high pointing. He is not trying to break up a pass. He's trying to go catch a pass at, at the catch point. Uh, he's comfortable in press coverage. Uh, he can jam wide receivers and then stay in phase with them upfield. And this is a rare one. You never hear me say this about corners. I think he does a good job of not being too physical. He does a really good job of getting his head around to track the ball to avoid defensive pass interference. And I don't say that about a lot of corners. Uh, as for his weaknesses, he's not a very good tackler. My fear with Burke is that he might have to add mass to improve as a tackler. And then you worry about that coming at the cost of speed. And although I think he's a sudden mover, I'm not sure he's like a super speedy guy. Like he's adequate. Uh, he struggles to click and close from off coverage. There's like some hitches in his transitions that, again, it hasn't caused problems really yet. I worry it could at the next level. Uh, this is an outside cornerback. He has almost no experience in the slot. That doesn't mean he can't play it. It means he wasn't ever asked to do it, and that's generally for a reason. Uh, maybe that Ohio State just needs an outside corner. Maybe they value that more. Whatever reason, he hasn't played in the slot, so anything saying he can is pure projection. Uh, I think Burke's a fringe day one guy. We'll see how the rest of the season goes, how the draft process goes, but I could easily see him going in the first round. I could see him being there on day two. Either way, he's someone that I would be interested in for the Philadelphia Eagles. He seems like a guy who will his draft stock will be very determined by how he plays against Michigan, how he plays if he makes the college football playoff, and how he tests. It feels like that will kind of determine where Denzel Burke goes because it's just we haven't seen him against a ton of top passing attacks this year. So that's kind of – but he, he has in the past, so – that I, I like right. Burke a lot. I, he's a guy I was kind of looking at in the past couple of weeks at potentially doing. All right. Well, that is our Eagles targets of the week. Guys, you can keep an eye on Junior Colson, linebacker out of Michigan. Jordan Morgan, offensive tackle out of Arizona, who has a great name, by the way. And cornerback Denzel Burke out of Ohio State. So let's turn the page now. Let's go to our player of the week predictions. All right, Eagles player, not Eagles player, player of the week segments. I do that every <laughs> single week, and I even put it in bold in the notes so I would stop saying that. Player of the week segment, we are neck and neck. Nobody's had bigger than like a two-point lead all season. We're still right here with a few weeks left in the college football season. Dives, who is your player of the week prediction for this week? Yeah, I'm going to go off the cuff a little bit. I'm going to talk about a team that might be – uh, the the biggest Cinderella story, biggest surprise this season, that's the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, when you look at the ACC, you know, you look at the top teams uh, like Clemson and you look at North Carolina, Duke. Uh, there's a lot of teams up there. Um, who am I missing? I'm missing probably someone. Miami, um, not Louisville. I didn't expect Louisville to look this good. I think they're number 13 in the country. And the guy I'm talking about this week is – Jawar Jordan, a running back uh, that's putting up monster stats that probably not a lot of people know about. Um, and if you if, if the cards play as, as they may, 
you're looking at Louisville versus Florida State in the ACC uh, Conference Championship, which, which is going to be a really good one. Um, but Jawar Jordan uh, is a guy that last year was uh, fourth in, on the depth chart for the Cardinals. He climbed his way to the top. He had a very good year in 2022, finishing with 815 yards, but that came despite only rushing for 50 yards just once in the first eight games of last year. Uh, so really since like the last several games of 2022 to now, uh, he's been just a breakout star uh, in that sig uh, signature win against Duke, that 23 nothing win. Uh, Jawar Jordan had 163 yards and two touchdowns on 21 carries. Uh, this is a running back that shows really good patience, really good tempo as a runner. He's a north to south kind of dude. Uh, he's a guy that can pick up positive yards consistently. Um, he's got 440 yards after contact this season, which is really good. Zero fumbles, also really good, um, especially if you're an Eagles fan. Uh, you got to love that. Uh, you look at uh, this guy's footwork around the line of scrimmage, uh, works out of space really, really well. Um, he's not a guy that's ever been like a bell cow. He's more of a running back by committee guy. He's probably – Maybe not even a top 100 prospect in this draft. He's probably a, a day three dude. Uh, but what I like about him is just his just overall balance. And uh, he's got really good size as well. Uh, so just keep a, keep an eye on Jawar Jordan, uh, who uh, is going up this week against a team in Virginia, uh, who is two and seven, and they are straight god awful. Uh, Virginia's defense gives up 32.4 points per game and over 100 rushing yards per game. They've also allowed 22 rushing touchdowns. Uh, so looking at Jawar Jordan to have a monster game uh, this weekend. All right. So Jawar Jordan for dives. Mark, we know it's a guy from Arizona. Who's your player of the week prediction? It's quarterback Noah Fafita. Noah Fafita has been absolutely an electric factor i talked about him last week when i made my pick of the week which was arizona plus three they were an underdog against ucla at home they won that game 27 10 it was one of the easier bets i've ever hit in my life never really had a sweat they were up 14 nothing really fast i went to bed that's how that's how comfortable i was and that's how comfortable arizona has made gamblers feel all year so i will just say before i get to my player my lock of the week i'll get it over with it's Arizona again, Arizona minus 10 against Colorado. And I know Colorado, they were the sexy story early on in the year. Hasn't worked out as well as of late for Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes. I don't think this is a get right spot either. I think Arizona is going to keep on rolling. And the biggest reason why is my predicted player of the week, Noah Fafita. And you look at what he's done lately. He's been incredible. The last two weeks, he basically had the same exact game. He was 25 for 32 in each game, one game for 300 yards, one game for 275. He had three touchdowns and a pick in both games. Um, it, you know, his his passer ratings over the last couple of weeks, 181, 175, 175, 185, 139. Uh, it's just the guy has been absolutely incredible. And even if you want to go QBR, in his, in his five starts, his QBRs, are 93.7, 77.1, 89.9, 71.7, and 74. The guy hasn't played a below-average game. The guy hasn't even played an average game. Everything he's done has been incredibly above average or exceptional. 
Um, and, and I accept, I, I expect him to continue that. He's a freshman. Uh, and something, a fun little story with Noah Fafita. Um, I, I don't know how to say this name, but his receiver is named Tedaroya McMillan. And they were they've been playing together since eighth grade. In high school, they played their yeah. entire high school career together. Out of uh, Tedaroya McMillan's 52 high school and college touchdowns, Noah Fafita has thrown 38 of them. So it's they have a really good relationship. He's his number one receiver. I think that's a really cool story. I feel like that's probably not something you see very often, that a quarterback and a receiver go to the same college to go to the same high school. That sounds like like TV show stuff or, or like movie stuff about a football team. Like I thought that was a fun story. But Arizona, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like, I don't know if you guys remember this, but like Kansas and Duke last year kind of out of nowhere became these good teams that you had to start paying attention to. Arizona's kind of the same way. For a long time, Arizona's had some pretty dark days um, in terms of college football, obviously a college basketball powerhouse, but they've had some rough years. And it looks like Jed Fish, for now, is turning them around. The problem with that, if you're at a place like Arizona, (laughs) Noah Fafita and Jed Fish, I don't know how long they are for Arizona. Noah Fafita might be hitting the transfer portal in a couple months, and Jed Fish will probably be one of the biggest fish in the sea. When it comes to the coaching search, you guys like that one? I do. Rest in peace to the Pac-12, man. Having the best year ever, and it's it's inc- it's insane. It really is the greatest year in the history of the conference, and no more, no longer, because people like money. I just I just want it to be known that if I said or if Dibes said fish in the sea, you would have booed <laughs> us. But we both we both wholeheartedly support the terrible puns and get immeasurable joy out of them. I like that one. I I, I, I thought I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it's I'm pretty sure it's me who bombards your shows at times and says really bad things in the comments. It yeah. is from time to time. It is. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to do something that we have not had happen yet this season. And that's going to be taking someone who just was picked for a player of the week last week. Because remember, each of us can pick a guy one time, but that doesn't prevent other people from picking him. I'm going to go to the well. I'm going to pick a guy that was picked last week and actually the guy who got last place last week. That might sound crazy, but give me running back Bucky Irving out of Oregon because he plays USC. And I just love to take this moment to talk about how bad USC is. Lincoln Riley. I hope he never wins another football game. Uh, Bucky Irving plays USC, who has lost three of their last four, including last week when they allowed Washington running back Dylan Johnson to rush for 256 yards and four touchdowns on 9.8 yards per carry. Coming into the game, he only had 430 rushing yards, and he got 256 against USC. In the last three weeks, USC has given up 247. 235 and 316 rushing yards for a total of 11 rushing touchdowns. They just fired their defensive coordinator. Caleb Williams is crying after the game. USC is in shambles and I am here for it. And I'm here to see Oregon make it four out of five. Uh, Irving is averaging 6.9 yards per carry. The one thing that does worry me here is his usage. Uh, He had 18 carries last week, 14 the week before. They were both in blowouts. I am assuming they will need him to keep pace with the USC offense. That's probably still going to put points up, even if the defense is terrible. So I'm hoping for a shootout. I'm hoping for Irving to get a lot of carries in this game. 
they've been saving him for just such a moment. So Bucky Irving, player of the week, out of Oregon. Go Ducks. I want to I touch real quick on something. This is something that's bothering me to my core uh, about USC. And I hate USC more than Shane does, which is a surprising False. thing. to. No, I do. I'm a Notre Dame fan. I promise this is like the, it's like me talking about the Dallas Cowboys. But what I'll say about that is the blame for all of this goes to Lincoln Riley, not Caleb Williams. The, the negativity I'm seeing about Caleb Williams online is so mind-numbingly stupid, I can't even wrap my mind around it. The guy has 3,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, and four interceptions, and we're talking about his season like he took a step back. His completion percentage is four points higher. His passer rating is better. His air yards per attempt is better. His ADOT, higher. Caleb Williams has been unbelievable. He's he's having the best year he's had in college right now. The problem is his defense is historically bad. You look at what Caleb Williams has done lately, He's he put up – 42 points last week. He put up 50 the week before. He put up 42 the week before that. He's had one bad game. It was against Notre Dame. But every other week this year, he's been nothing short of fantastic. Three of his four picks came in that one game. He's been unbelievable, and people are all getting all up in arms because he cried. I don't care that he cried. Caleb Williams is a superstar, and he is still a lock to go number one regardless of what Jim, Bob, and Joe think about it on Twitter. It is all down to his coach. Lincoln Riley is just another air raid coach that can put together a good offense and will never win anything of note because he thinks defense doesn't matter at all. That's what he was at Oklahoma. If Oklahoma had like the 50th ranked defense, they would have won like three national titles while Lincoln Riley was there. If USC had like the 50th best defense, they would walk away. They would cakewalk to a national title this year. It just, he just doesn't care. He never has. He took his awful off defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, from Oklahoma with him. As sad as we were to see Riley go, we were ecstatic to see Grinch gone. Grinch, they, I'm assuming somebody at USC just finally stepped in and was like, hey, you got to fire him. Uh, but yeah, Lincoln Riley's a buffoon, and I enjoy rooting for him to fail. I have a question for you, Shane, uh, a Lincoln Riley question. Is it that his offensive scheme is so good and advanced and he's this genius offensively, or is it that he's just an incredible quarterback recruiter? Because you could make a case that he's just a merchant of having Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and now uh, Caleb Williams. Maybe that was what it is. Like, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know. It's hard to say that. Well, and all of those guys transferred in too. Like he didn't, I mean, and you're recruiting transfers yeah, yeah, in this yeah. day and age. But back when that first started, you couldn't even really do that. But yeah, Baker Mayfield transfers in, Jalen Hurts transfers in, I Kyler transferred in. I guess Caleb. I got, that order, I got the order off, but he re, they recruited Caleb. But I think at a certain point, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I think he's good with quarterbacks. I also think when you have back-to-back number one picks, if you if there's a good quarterback out there, he wants to come to your school, and it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think he's good with quarterbacks. Uh, I just have serious doubts that he's ever going to win any sort of anything of value and then, as a college coach. And then sorry sorry to harp on this, but I do think USC and like failing and Lincoln Riley kind of failing in his second year is one of the bigger stories in college football right now. 
Do mm-hmm. you think he's be he would be better off being an NFL head coach? Because as the as a college football head coach, he is still responsible for recruiting that defense and, and getting a defense, getting a team of players and scouting and recruiting and doing all that. And obviously he has a team of people doing that poorly, I might add. But <laughs> clearly he has to do some of that. If he was an NFL head coach and they basically just said, like, you're not drafting players. All we want you to do is be the offensive coordinator, basically, and call plays. Would he? I think he'd be better at that, right? Maybe. It's so hard. Like, I mean, you think about like Nick Saban going to the Dolphins and failing and leaving after a year. Like, sometimes Chip Kelly was such a genius at the collegiate level, and then he comes to the NFL and he looked like a genius for a year and didn't evolve. It, it's just not an apples to apples comparison. I think, like, I, I don't think he's ever going to leave college because he's going to get paid big bucks yeah. at college to have a fun offense that loses a lot of games with no defense. But if you truly wanted, like, the best return on Lincoln Riley, I think if you made him an NFL offensive coordinator, not even maybe not, maybe not even a head coach, you probably got to be around the league a little bit and get some credibility with NFL players before you step into the head coaching thing. He's never but, doing that. So that's why I didn't even, I didn't even yeah, approach that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you just made him like pair him up with like a Brian Flores. Yeah. That's going to be a strong personality running your defense at Jim Schwartz. Maybe so. I guess my argument to that would just be like, make him the head coach and like, it's the same difference. Yeah. Kinda. yeah. Like it's like, it would basically be the same difference. I don't think he's like terribly situationally. Like, I don't think he's like some moron with clock and time and stuff like that. So I actually like, I can't believe I'm saying like what a failure he is. He should go coach in the NFL. But I, <laughs> I, I think like certain guys, like you mentioned, like chip and some of these other guys and Saban, I think they are perfectly designed for college. Whereas I think uh-huh. Lincoln Riley might be the opposite. I, I don't know though. It's just a theory that I've kind of, kind of been testing out the last couple of weeks on radio. Yeah, that that's an interesting thought experiment. I'm not sure exactly where I fall on that. So much of it too is like how you are in the locker room yeah. with players and how you, and I don't have a clue how that is even in college for him, much less NFL, but from an X's and O's scheme point, like I could see that. I could see the argument. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, well, let's roll on to our Game of the Week breakdown now that we have buried USC and Lincoln (laughs) Riley for like the fourth week in a row here on this podcast, uh, all shoehorned by my agenda. But uh, let's go to Michigan at Penn State, number two Michigan, number nine Penn State, depending on where you look at rankings. I never know which rankings we're supposed to use. They play at noon on Saturday. 
Michigan is only allowing 6.7 points per game this year while scoring 40 points per game. Uh, quarterback J.J. McCarthy is in the running for the Heisman. However, we've talked about their schedule. They haven't faced quality opponents. They definitely haven't faced a defense like Penn State, who ranks 12th in passing yards allowed per game. This should be a really good game. Michigan is favored by five on the road in this one. I'm not, I, I, I've sworn off of gambling, allegedly, and I never bet college anyways. That seems high. Mark, what do you think about this game? So when you say it seems high, you would have expected a shorter line, like Michigan minus three or two? Yeah, especially it's on, it's at Penn State, right? It is. I, I think a lot of that line. So actually for me, when I saw five, I actually thought it was a little lower than I was expecting it okay. to come in at. I thought it was going to come in at seven or eight. I would probably set it at like two or three personally. I like Penn State to keep this game close. But I was surprised because of the Ohio State game being so ugly for Penn State and that offense looking so incompetent in that game and then them kind of laying an egg against Indiana. Um, I, I thought that that might drive this this line way up. But Penn State did come out last week and smack Maryland in Maryland. Maryland's not a bad football team. So um, I, I think that washes a little bit of the bad taste out. Um, but you mentioned the, the main factor of this game. It's being played in Happy Valley. I mean, that is a really, really important thing. The last time these two teams played in Happy Valley, Michigan won 21-17 on the final play of the game. And that's when they knew all the plays that Penn State was going to run. <laughs> so I, I think that's relevant to point out. I, 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 you know, we do kind of have to talk about that, that storyline in, in this game. And obviously it shouldn't be a factor. Penn State, you better change your signals. But <laughs> it, it's pretty clear that Michigan had a next level operation of sign stealing. And, you know, I hate to bring it up. And still two years ago, Jim Harbaugh was on the hot seat. Jim Harbaugh was going to get fired if he didn't beat Ohio State. He had lost his first six or seven times against Ohio State. You know, you flash forward to 2021 and they hire Connor Stallions. And all of a sudden, Michigan became this powerhouse. It's, it's really weird how that happens, how for six years <laughs> you can't get over the top and you win eight, nine, ten games. And then – you know, right when the alleged cheating starts, you go on a two-year run or a three-year run of, of really, really good football. It's just interesting. Um, no, nah, but I don't I, I'm I'm half joking, but um I I think that Penn State is in a position where the the entire country and Big Ten and everyone should be rooting for Penn State to win this game so we don't have to have a black mark on a potential national champion this year or just anyone in the playoff. And I, I hate to kind of break down the game from such a, like, that was not me talking about the matchups at all. But I think that the Michigan story right now, bar none, is the biggest story in sports. And I think it's one of the crazier stories in recent memory. Uh, all the things that are coming out, the pictures of Connor Stallions on the Central Michigan sideline for the Michigan State game. There was the video of when the guy went out of bounds by him and he he covers his covers his face and, and moves away from the camera. It's like, it's, it's pretty, pretty damning stuff. Um, and it's going to be one of the most toxic games of all time. If Michigan wins and go and gets to play Ohio state in two weeks, and that's 11 and 0 versus 11 0 for a chance to go to the college football playoff. It's going to be one of the most toxic environments of all time online talking about that game. 
uh, because the hatred for those schools has never, ever been higher than it is at this moment. So all of that to say, I like Penn State plus five. <laughs> I, I do think it's going to be a low scoring close game. I have Penn State plus five. I also have under 44 and a half. I don't know where that line's at. I haven't looked at it all day, um, but I think it's at 44 and a half. I think it's going to be like a 17-14 game, maybe a 20-17 to 17 game. But like I said a couple weeks ago, J.J. McCarthy, we're going to find out who you are right now. We're going to find out who you are against Penn State. We're going to find out who you are against Ohio State, two really good defenses. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. All right, Dibes, what are your thoughts on this game? How do you see it shaking out? It's so even, man. Uh, you know, these two teams defensively, they're so close. This is the number one and number two defenses when it comes to limiting first downs. Uh, this is uh, a Penn State team that has the better pass rush. They, they rank number one in the country with 38 total sacks. You look at Michigan, they're better in coverage. Uh, they've got Rod Moore, Will Johnson, who are absolutely lights out uh, defensive back prospects. Uh, Penn State against the run. They are number one in the country at stopping the run. They allow just two yards per rush and 60 yards per game on the ground. That's 10 less than the second best run defense in the entire country. It is elite, man. Um, I think the biggest difference here in this matchup really just uh, boils down to uh, that I have much more confidence in Michigan's offense and Michigan's playmakers than I do for Penn State. Um, that's that's I can't get around that. Yeah, we we like Mark said, like we're gonna find out what JJ McCarthy is all about. But uh, you look at you know Michigan's wide receivers. I just think they're vastly better than Penn State's. Michigan has three three receivers with 400 yards or more, uh, led by Roman Wilson, who's got 10 touchdowns on the season. Uh, Michigan is a big play offense. All three of their top wide receivers average at least 15 and a half yards per reception. Um, so I, I just look at the, the skill positions uh, between these two teams, uh, just leaning towards Michigan, uh, but it could go either way. All the pressure's on Penn State, in my opinion. This is their chance. This is their chance to finally beat. Uh, this is James Franklin's chance to finally get this program moving forward and beat uh, a really good Michigan team. Because I think pound for pound, Penn State's right there. Like Mark said, it just depends on what Drew, which Drew Aller you're going to get. Because he looked really good last week against Maryland. Really shaky against Ohio State. Um, I, I really hated the game plan against Ohio State. Uh, why are you trying to beat Ohio State with Aller's arm in a toxic environment when you have Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, and an offensive line run the ball uh, and let that guy settle in? Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I think Michigan, though, gets the W. Yeah, it, it's going to be it, – it, that receiver point is the one thing that I kind of can't get past. The Penn State receivers have not impressed me. Um, it, what, what The way that – the the avenue for Penn State to win is Katron Allen and Nick Singleton having a big day, or one of them having a big day. You're going to have to have a big day on the ground. And in my opinion, Aller's just going to have to do enough. Like, you just have to do enough. Make enough happen. Throw for, like, 200 yards. Get a touchdown or two. But the running game has to be how Penn State wins this game. And if Penn State wins this game, the under will hit. That's my, my guarantee. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. 
Keep an eye on Daquan Hardy for Penn State. This guy could be the difference maker where both defenses both both defenses are so even. You've got shaky quarterback play from both teams. The special teams and a big time playmaker at corner like Daquan Hardy could be the difference. All right. Well, there you have it. Our Michigan at Penn State breakdown. Kickoff is at noon on Saturday if you're looking for a game to keep an eye on. You can also keep an eye on Michigan, Arizona, and Ohio State for our Eagles prospect profiles. Hopefully that'll get you through a weekend with no Eagles football, but plenty of future Eagles to watch out there on the college football field. Thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the BGN Draft Show. If you enjoyed the show, be sure and hit that subscribe button so you get every show on the BGN feed. You can check us out on Twitter. I'm at Shane Half NFL. Dives is at Mr. Crockpot, and Mark is at Mark Henry Jr. We will catch you guys next week for another episode of the BGN Draft Show. <laughs>